Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. When I found out I was going to be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot. Really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life-changing. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, visit BetterHelp.com stuff today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash stuff. Hey, everybody. It's me, Josh. And for this week's SYSK Selects, I've chosen How Book Banning Works, which is an episode we released all the way back in 2012. But it's as pertinent today, sadly, as it was back then. I hope you feel inspired to go out and read a book that somebody didn't want you to read because you can. Enjoy. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me is Charles W. Chuck Bryant, and this is Stuff You Should Know. Just did my little best anchorman move. Yeah. Getting the papers all in order. Yeah. Reading the prompter. Why wouldn't that be great? I don't feel so funny these days, man. Well, we need to get the teleprompter writer to juice up your, your jokes. I agree. Everyone knows that, right? We don't actually make any of this stuff up. We have somebody write the show and we read it. This is a verbatim. very, very um, well-rehearsed, <laughs> practiced, labored podcast. That's right. I think this is the second of two good topics today. Yeah. Part one, asexuality. Uh-huh. Part two, banning books. Yeah. What do they have to do with each other? Nothing. I thought I saw a common thread, and now that I've looked, I've forgotten it. But oh yeah, there was something discrimination, maybe. I guess so. Maybe we'll find out. It'll pop up possibly. It'll yeah. be like a, the Pee Wee's Secret Word of the Day. Oh yeah, isn't that what it was called? I think so. Man, that guy was cool. So you got an intro proper for this, or Chuck? Yes. Are you familiar with the last week of September? I am. You are. You've yeah, been through it before? Yeah, it's after the third week yeah. and before the first week of uh, October. That's exactly right. Yes. It just so happens that that very week is Banned Book Week. Did not know that existed. Well, it does. Till today. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I, you haven't too. heard of Banned Book Week before? Uh, no. I have. I've seen like the subversive um, displays outside of B. Dalton booksellers. And, <laughs> right. You know, and basically the whole point of it is it's like, hey, people have tried to ban these books, so make sure you read these because it means that there's somebody out there who doesn't want you to. That's right. Hey, look what I've got. I've got To Kill a Mockingbird over here. Yeah, that's a Tempted. big one. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. So the whole point of Banned Books Week is to celebrate intellectual freedom. That's right. Because there are people out there who would take that away from you if they could. Yeah. We know it. 
you go back and listen to some of our podcasts. There's certain words that were beeped out because the man has this under his thumb. <laughs> Dang Skippy. Yeah. Um, so I would strongly recommend it's coming up. Uh, by the time this thing gets released, we'll be in September. That's right. We should probably post something about Band Book Week when it comes, okay? Yeah, September 30th through October 6th, actually. Um, so it's really the first week in October this year. Oh, that's yeah. weird that yeah. they would put it the last week of October. <laughs> yeah, the first week of October, yeah. Or last week of September. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was confusing for a second. Let's let's talk banned books, man. More than 11,000 books have been challenged since 1982, Josh. That's just since 82. They've been... I, I was reading about The Catcher in the Rye. Um, it came out in... Wow, man, I wish I knew. It came out in the either the late 50s or the early 60s. Or the late 50s or 1960. Okay. Because in 1960, a teacher who assigned it to his class for reading got fired. That really? Was, yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite books. Is it? Yeah, and it's one that I've reread several times over the years, and it always takes on a little different meaning depending on my age, which I'll is bet. interesting, yeah. Have you read The Catcher's Companion? No, that's we got that as a gift, right? Uh-huh. No, I haven't read it yet. It's pretty neat. It's just like footnotes and extrapolations right. and explanations. Like this guy went into Catcher, the world of Catcher in the Rye, and like made footnotes of the whole thing. I definitely. Need it's to actually check that thicker out. than the Catcher in the Rye. 1951, by the way. Okay, so 51. Yeah. Within nine years, somebody lost their job because they assigned that book to read. Wow, that's pretty common. Usually, with um, book banning, it comes out of um, the public school system. Um, yeah, and libraries. Less so libraries, though, right? Well, that's it's usually school libraries. No, less so public libraries. Public libraries, yeah. right. So th- if you go on uh, the internet and you look for banned books, you're going to find a lot of um, uh, confusion. There's this body mm. called the American Library Association. Yeah. And a lot of people think that they're in charge of banning books. It's absolutely the opposite of the truth. The American Library Association is a it's it's basically the librarians lobby. Yeah. And they're committed to no censorship whatsoever. Yeah, ask any librarian and they're they're going to probably be in favor of not banning books. Right. Um as a matter of fact, the ALA maintains a library bill of rights and in this library bill of rights is a provision for the free access to libraries for minors, which basically says this. We have a bunch of books that we're not going to make any judgments on. If right. we have a book that you don't want your kid to read, it's your job as their parent to monitor what they read. And you can decide what they read or not, right. but you that's it. Right. Your opinion doesn't extend to anyone else's kids. So that means that if you want to ban a book, we're going to tell you no because you're responsible for your child but not everybody else's child, too, which means, in short, that the ALA doesn't censor books. Right. Which is a big deal because this happens a lot. There's 11,000 challenges, you said, since 1982? Since 1982, and I think there were, uh, in 2011, there were 326 challenges last year. Um, A few of these are uh, the Color of Earth series. Mm Mm-hmm. by Kim Dong Hua and the reasons why nudity, sex education, mm-hmm. uh, the Hunger Games trilogy. Yep. Uh, my mom's having a baby, a kid's month by month guide to pregnancy. But we certainly don't want our kids to learn anything about that. No, <laughs> especially not with um, mom. Uh, Brave New World by uh, Huxley, insensitivity, nudity, racism. Yeah. 
um, To Kill a Mockingbird, like we mentioned, Harper Lee's classic because of offensive language and racism. Mm-hmm. And those are just a few of the nine, I'm sorry, ten most challenged books of last year. Right. Um, you'll also find in just about every list the most challenged series since 2000 is the Harry Potter books. Yeah, um, they received Satan. 3,000 challenges, um, and that was from up to, I believe, like 2008 or nine. Maybe two, no, of 2010, they were from 2000 to 2010. Yeah, they received 3,000 challenges, and and it was because it had sa- satanic overtones or undertones, one or, of the two. That's how or midtones people challenging it felt at least. So for the most part, when you see a book being challenged or banned, it's because people are concerned about its influence on children. But as yeah. we've seen, the American Library Association says, "Hey, man, kids, kids." There's free. There should be free access to information for kids. Yeah, Judy Bloom's Forever is one that's always on the list too, for that reason, because it deals with a, a young girl's burgeoning sexuality and yeah. the confusion and the awkwardness and the thrill that comes along with that. Yeah. And that one is <laughs> what? That was a great description. Was it? <laughs> yeah, from a 41 year old man with a beard. Well, dude, I was 14 once. And girls and boys are all like, you know, we're yeah. all scared and awkward and thrilled. <laughs> So how do you how do you do this, man? How do you how do you issue a formal challenge to a book, and what does that consist of? What does it mean? It it means that you have gone to a library, a single library, yep. and said, "I want to challenge this book," and the librarian decides whether or not to ban it. So it's as simple as that. That's yeah. how book banning works. Um, and uh, you don't even have to use such lofty language like I want to issue a challenge. You can just say like this book needs to be taken out of this library. Right. This book is filth. Um, this book is per- per- pervasively vulgar. That's a big one. Yeah. Um, and the librarian at that moment decides whether a book gets banned or not. And for the most part, they they err on the side of not banning them. But when they say, okay, let's take that book out, that book has just been banned. So it doesn't mean that a ban, uh, that a book has been banned. It doesn't mean it's been banned across a country, although right. some, some countries have like banned books in its entirety, like oh, the I'm country's sure. entirety. But in the U.S. and in the modern world, it usually means that somewhere in the United States, there's a group of people, whether it's kids in a school district or kids, people who are served by a public library, who don't have access to a certain book yeah. because one person found it offensive and convinced the librarian to to make the decision for everybody else based on that person's objections. That's a banned book. Yeah, person or persons. A lot of times it's a group will yeah. get together with like a list even, and they'll rally the troops and say, you know, come on out from your your homes and let's get together and yeah. submit a list. And the librarians, like you said, most times will say no because they generally have the courts on their side if it gets to that point. Yeah. For the most part, the courts like to defend the right, you know, the First Amendment. Yep. But, I mean, think about that pressure, especially if, like, you are a school librarian and the school board is telling you, like, hey, don't forget, we employ you and we're telling you. Sure. Remove this book. And the librarian's like, no. T.S. That's that's against the First Amendment. Yeah. Um, So. Should we talk about some of the laws? I think we should. Let's talk about, do you want to talk about the history of it? Yeah. Um, who wrote this one? I think this was Conger, too. No, I don't think so. Oh, no? Yeah, it was a freelancer. Oh, okay. Um, you know, basically, since the days of Socrates, they've been trying to ban teachings of some sort or the other. Um, 
he was heavily scrutinized. And back then, if you wanted to ban something, you just burned the few copies of it that existed. Right, and, and Socrates, it was no problem. He was made to drink hemlock for what he for oh, what sure. he taught. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, if like if there's two copies of a book in existence and you get both copies and you set them on fire, done. Problem solved. Consider it banned. And then what happened? What came along? Well, the printing press, and all of a sudden you had to officially try and ban a book because there were too many to gather up and burn. And you remember the Star Chamber starring Michael Douglas? <laughs> did you ever watch that? No. Okay. They were the real Star Chamber. Did you? Did you? Re- there was a real. Yeah. Okay. So the real Star Chamber um, that was, I think, created in Stuart, England, um, Stuart era England. Oh man, I'm, I probably shouldn't even say that because I'm not sure. Oh really? In England in the 17th century, there was <laughs> okay. a group of judges that were in charge of like. They were like the elite judges. Right. They, they were the censor board, basically, uh, was one of their roles. And then Henry VIII came along and got rid of them. Right. But he started his own kind of censorship with licensing laws that basically said that the state had the um, opportunity to censor things before they were even published. So that was one of the earliest forms of straight-up book banning or right. book censorship. Good point. It happened a long time ago. Yeah. Sure. 1982, Board of Education, Island Trees School District, VPCO. Yeah. That's a mouthful. Um, They said basically that you couldn't remove library material just because, like, a school official doesn't agree with the ideas. They said that the books on on their list were, quote, just plain filthy. So they wanted them removed, yeah. Some people said, no, we're going to sue you for that. Well, the Supreme Court said so. um, Basically, it has to be pervasively vulgar i guess is why they use those words yeah because that's what they can actually ban a book if who finds it that like um is I there think, a, i think society basically oh sure that's easy to figure for, well, out <laughs> for, for the most part um as far as books go for banning a book uh-huh. it's really tough to do as once it reaches the supreme court they're going to be like no it's a book put it back it's obscenity that's not protected at right, all. Right, right. Well, because the the kicker there is the the number three rule that they decided, you know, should be used to, to determine if something is, I guess, filthy, was it could contain no literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. And that's the one where, you know, you can pretty much say claim any book has value like yeah. that. That's how we have hardcore pornography still. That's right. So you can say this is art. <laughs> That's true. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. 
Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey everybody, it's time you heard about Squarespace. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own website. Whether it's an online course or custom merch, Squarespace has you covered. That's right. Courses is a great program. You can start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. That's right. With Fluid Engine, which is a next-generation website design system, by the way, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. That's right. And don't forget the commerce side, because after that, you can charge a one-time fee, or you can even sell a subscription. Yeah. So turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. And right now, go to squarespace.com stuff for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code STUFF to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace. Um, so that, that case, that 1982 um, Island Trees case or Pico case, I don't know what they call it, that was a really big deal because it took oh, yeah. place in a school library. And um, it basically the Supreme Court said school libraries are special places. Schools are places of inquiry. Yeah. And so their repository of knowledge meaning their library, right. has special protection. Like, we understand that you're worried about the children's minds being corrupted, but you don't get to decide that. Like, this is information that's out there, and as long as it's basically not, like, hardcore pornography, child pornography, right. obscenity, like, it should, it has every right to be in there under the First, first Amendment. Amen. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. Uh, so was 1988. I remember this one because I was... On a newspaper staff at the time. Oh, yeah? And I got interviewed for the news. Oh, yeah? Yeah, like the local news came out. Uh, Hazelwood School District v. Uh, Kulmaya. Um, that was very famously when uh, newspaper, high school newspapers basically were said to not have the same rights as like if you were an adult running a newspaper. Yeah. And it was not a form of public expression, so schools could, uh, in the end, kind of censor what was going in these things. At least in, like, school curriculum. Oh, I thought it was in the paper. In the paper, too. I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought you meant uh, in these things, meaning libraries. Yeah. No, no, no. In the in School the newspapers, school papers. for sure. But yeah. it was extended into classroom curriculum, too, like that. Which was a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Did you read that article about Texas? Yeah, let's get to that. You want to? Yeah. Okay, so um, Texas has this um, very controversial textbook review committee. That wields a lot of power because textbook or Texas is the biggest textbook buyer in the country. And so if you're a textbook manufacturer and one state is ordering most of your textbooks, you're just going to print one and send it to everybody. Yeah, it's basically Texas and California are the two states that wield the most power because 
they spend the most dough because they have the most school-age kids, basically. Right, exactly. So they basically say what Texas decides goes in their textbooks goes in the textbooks for a lot of other states as well, not just Texas, right? Yeah, I looked at the expense of a textbook, and I think uh, one of the manufacturers said something like several million dollars can go into a like a major biology textbook. Oh, I'll bet. Because of like the illustrations and everything that goes into it. And they're like, we can't make one of these for Texas and one for other states. Right. It's just everyone's going to get Texas's version of the truth. Exactly. So Texas has this committee that is largely conservative that um, starting in, I think, 2009, uh, basically held hearings on revisions that they wanted to see done to social studies curriculum. These are elected people, too, by the way, which is important because yeah. apparently a lot of them can buy their way right on that list. Okay, so social studies, you've got history, sociology, economics, and um, a lot of the stuff that they were adding in there were like... Um, I guess kind of slanted everything toward a little more toward the idea that the uh, founders of the United States were Christian, um, that the, uh, the, they, one of the things they wanted to get in there was not just Martin Luther King's nonviolent civil rights protests, but the Black Panthers' violent civil rights protests were another one. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if you're a conservative, you, you're like, well, okay, I, I agree with a lot of what these people are saying. The, the problem is, is, what they were saying was that there's a liberal slant to academia and that they were taking it upon themselves to correct that by putting a conservative slant. Yeah, one of the other amendments was uh, to cut Thomas Jefferson from a list of figures who uh, inspired revolutions of the late 18th century and 19th century. And they said, let's replace them with Thomas Aquinas and John Calvin instead. Yeah. Uh, another one in economics. Um, they wanted to add Milton Friedman and uh, Friedrich von Hayek, uh, champions of the free market economic theory, to the list of economists studied. We talked about Milton Friedman in one where basically he used Chile as a laboratory for um, Reaganomics before Reagan was president. The trickle-down economics. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Um, and then one of the ones that was shot down by a Democrat, uh, Mavis Knight, wanted to introduce an amendment requiring students study the reasons for the founding fathers protecting religious freedom uh, by not saying one religion is good above all else. And that was actually struck down. They said, you, you can't put that in this book. Right. She was a Democrat who introduced it. Yeah. And the, it was, Republic, or sure. the conservatives said no. Well, they, you know, basically vote along party lines. So the vote was... 10 to 4 or whatever it is. So it was a big deal. Um, 10 to 5. It, like it, had, it was one of those things that kind of went underreported and uh, underestimated. But there's a uh, really good documentary out there that came out in, I think, 2009 maybe? 2010, yeah. The Revisionaries? Yeah. Um, and I think it's up on Netflix streaming right now. It is. Scott Thurman. Yeah. And uh, all I saw was a trailer, but it looked pretty good. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was a big deal. It's not just like, oh, some people in Texas want to change some textbooks. It's... Like has national implications, right? It's an info war, basically, and that's what book banning is based on in a lot of ways as well. It's like if you can remove a different viewpoint, uh, especially when when it's being presented to kids, right? Then you can keep uh, that viewpoint from taking from germinating in their in their emerging mind, yeah, or worldview, absolutely. And so, books like um, Daddy's New Roommate gets banned. Yeah, about a a boy whose dad has a 
new boyfriend now. He's a divorced dad, and his new roommate yeah. who moves in is gay. Yeah. And um, Sarah Palin herself asked for that to be removed from the library when she was um, the mayor of Wasilla, Alaska. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And that guy came out and said, that woman is my mortal enemy. Really? <laughs> the author what, did? That was his response. And thanks for the press. That's what he should have said, too. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, in the meantime, in Texas, um, uh, Mary Helen uh, Berlanga um, has tried repeatedly to get Latino figures um, included in textbooks as role models for the large Hispanic population in Texas. Right. And she's been repeatedly denied to the point where in 2010 she stomped out of a meeting saying they can't just pretend this is white America and that we don't exist. These aren't experts. These aren't historians. They are just rewriting history. So pretty hard words. Yeah. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. I'm talking about unique stickers that you can trade with friends to complete albums for big prizes, cool new playing pieces to travel the boards with, or hilarious emojis for taunting friends when you smash their buildings or heist their vaults. Plus, Monopoly Go feels new and exciting every day with constantly changing tournaments and challenges, like digging for treasure or a robot pachinko machine. And there's always new timed events that help you win big, like massive multipliers for everything you win or rent frenzies. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on! Hey everyone, Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Hey friends, as every parent knows, kids seem to be everywhere all at once, and it's really tough for even the most watchful moms and dads to protect their little ones from every single thing. Yeah, Duracell understands this, and that's why they're deeply committed to lithium coin battery safety. Lithium coin batteries power a bunch of important things around people's homes, including things young children may have access to. So Duracell not only educates parents, caregivers, and medical professionals about the importance of lithium coin battery safety, they also make the only lithium coin batteries with a non-toxic bitter coating to help discourage children from swallowing them. Even Duracell's packaging is child secure and designed to avoid accidental opening because they believe their products should provide more than just power. They should also provide peace of mind. You can learn more at Duracell.com slash power safely. Available on 2032, 2025, and 2016 sizes. Hey friends, did you know that it's estimated that 85% of all customer service interactions are automated? Yeah, it's true. And customers are the lifeblood of all business. So you probably don't want to put that responsibility in the hands of a robot. And that's why thousands of business owners call Ruby and hire them. 
That's right. Ruby is the virtual receptionist company who screens, transfers, and takes messages 24-7, all while making your customers feel special. Yep, you definitely don't want to hire a subpar front desk person. And with Ruby, they engage with your callers in a conversational way, just like your best employee would. That's right. Finding someone who cares about your business as much as you do feels impossible at times, but the team at Ruby are experts in providing the best customer experience and turn every ring into a relationship. Yep, this year can be your best year yet. Small, efficient changes can make a huge impact on your bottom line. That's right, and Ruby answers all of your calls live from right here in the U.S. They'll take messages, answer questions, route calls, and much more. Visit ruby.com, or better yet, give them a call at 844-900-R-U-B-Y. You want to hear some other challenged authors? Let's, man. Because there's, there's challenges all over the place, apparently. Judy Bloom, of course. Yeah. Uh, Robert Cormier, or Cormier. Uh-huh. Uh, did you ever read I Am the Cheese when you were growing up? Nope. Or The Chocolate War? I think I read that one. Great books. Mm-hmm. Banned. Many times. J.K. Rowling, she is, uh, like I said, she is, I guess, of the devil, because a lot of people have a problem with the Harry Potter books. Um, Catherine Patterson, Bridge to Terabithia, mm-hmm. um, Stephen King, Maya Angelou, can't have any of that. Yeah, the Alabama State Textbook Committee said that it, um, the, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings yeah. encourages bitterness toward white people. Uh, R.L. Stein, who is uh, sort of like a Stephen King for kids. Yeah, Goosebumps. Yeah, and uh, I think I actually worked on one of his little TV shows, The Nightmare Room. Oh, yeah? Or, was it Nightmare Room? I think so. Uh, yeah, back in the day. And John Steinbeck, of course. Yeah, um, in 1989, Of Mice and Men was banned in Chattanooga because Steinbeck was well known for his anti-business attitude. <laughs> um, and then Alvin Schwartz was number one, and he yeah. wrote one of my favorite sets of books, uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, series. really? I never heard of those. Oh, man, they Good were stuff. scary with the most ghastly illustrations you've ever seen. They're awesome. And are those banned just because they're scary and ghoulish? I guess so. No, it's probably satanic, too. Gotcha. Um, so we were talking about how if if a book is challenged, um, it's probably, if it gets to the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court is probably going to rule in favor of the librarian who said no. Yeah. Um, but that's that's not the case with obscenity, like obscene literature. Like it is specifically excluded in U.S. case law from First Amendment protection. Yeah. And that's kind of emerged over the years, um, starting in uh, 1873 uh, with the Comstock laws. Mm-hmm. It basically said, like, you can't sell obscene literature in uh, interstate commerce, right? right? And then people are like, okay, well, then we, we won't or don't enforce it or whatever. And right. it just kind of went went enforced or unchallenged for like three quarters of a century. Yeah. And then in the 50s, you had um, Roth versus the uh, United States, where all of a sudden we're like, wait, we need to start explaining what obscenity is because you can't just say it's just whatever. Right. That's what they started as, though. Like in the 50s, they basically said uh, uh, obscenity, pornography basically is what that means, um, has utterly or is utterly without um, social value. 
That was a big quote. So that basically was a, a mark against anybody who's pro-obscenity, right? Right. And then in the 70s, there was one called Miller versus California. And this guy basically sent out a mass mailer chuck of an advertisement for his adult magazines. Oh, yeah. So everybody got them. Like right. Old people, kids, housewives, businessmen, everybody went to their mail that day, opened it up, and like there was like, basically obscene advertising. Right. And so California arrested the guy, and it went to trial. And the Supreme Court said, okay, um, yes, obscenity is not pr- protected, but we need to say what obscenity is. And they came up with this three-point test called the Miller test. Yeah. Which is... Uh, it has that one prong you were talking about earlier. Yeah, the third one is no no artistic merit, basically. Uh, literary, political, or scientific value, which is probably the terms that they nailed this guy for. Yeah. You know, if it was just a flyer of, like, pornographic ads. Right. He couldn't really say, no, this is literature. Right. Like, check these out. Um, the other two were uh, involve uh, patently offensive sexual conducts or appeal to a prurient interest when taken as a whole. There it is. That's what connected asexuality, prurient. Was that it? Yeah. Um, But but the big point with those, Chuck, is that um, the the prurient interest is local. So basically, like, if everybody in your town would be offended by this, then that's the local judgment that's for that standard. But then the scientific, artistic, literary standard is national. Right. So, like, if your town thinks it's science, but your town doesn't know what it's talking about, that's not a standard. Right, right. So that's obscenity. That's obscenity. But the good thing is, is like if you are trying to um, ban something as obscene, the burden of proof is on you to prove these three. This thing passes all three points of the Miller test. That is true, and that's a tough, tough burden to get passed in a court. It is tough. I'm surprised that more uh, book banning fans aren't trying to infiltrate the library community. You know what I'm saying? I think they do constantly. Oh, like you become mean like librarians. become librarians? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if that's where the power is. I think the librarians, like, really, um, like, the, the library industry, it's, yeah. it's very powerful. And, like, if they find out that you're you're a wolf in sheep's clothing, they'll kill you. Boy, have you ever talked to librarians? Chris Paulette here is a librarian. They're really passionate, passionate people. It's, it's almost like a public service in a way. Yeah. Because I'm sure they don't make a lot of dough, and they just all really believe in knowledge and protecting protecting freedoms it. yeah it's pretty cool yeah go so, librarians yeah go give your local librarian a pat on the back today <laughs> yeah give them a hug ask them first and then give them a hug and if they say no don't give them a hug right just shake their hand and politely nod yeah maybe a curtsy and um that's great chuck yeah i like the curtsy yeah all right well if you want to learn more about banned books we suggest you go to the ala site uh it's uh, i believe ala.com uh, and then you can also write in banned books in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And it's going to bring up this uh, really great article. Finally, it's time for listener mail. Okay. Josh, I'm going to call this Disco Fever from uh, Diane in Kentucky. Okay. Uh, hey, guys. Your disco episode brought back fond memories for me. In the summer of 1978, I was in my early 20s and have just made it from the sticks to the big city, New York City. It's a big city. I had very little money. The city's infrastructure was crumbling. And this is kind of what we pointed out, you know, the bad economy. Uh, And I was separated from my boyfriend by a continent. 
uh, a bigger obstacle in those days before cell phones and the internet and reasonable airfares. Like that was back when a long distance relationship was like serious, you yeah. know. Um, remember those days? Like, is it long distance? Like, don't talk too long. It's long distance. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and now it's like what? Yeah, I forgot about that. Or um, ten, ten, two, twenty, or whatever. Oh, like certain times of day were cheaper or something. No, there's like a, a number you could dial. Oh yeah, like, yeah. Like real cheap long distance. Somewhere. Yeah, I remember that. Ten, ten, two, twenty. I think is what it was. Uh, I was questioning the decisions I had made in my life, and it was pretty much. Uh, a struggle for me, but I had disco. I would go with a guy friend to a place on 3rd Avenue that was more or less the equivalent of an Applebee's with disco music and a dance floor, complete with disco ball. It certainly wasn't what you would call a discotheque or a cool place <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination, but she was broke and uh, we could order the cheapest thing on the menu and spend the whole night dancing. Nice. I was completely oblivious to any social or uh, cultural implications of the music but just knew that it was cheap entertainment and so much fun. Yes, the lyrics were silly, and the beat was rather unimaginative, but coming off the era of Vietnam, Watergate, and a plethora of social upheavals, that was the great part of the appeal. Uh, Dancing to disco and laughing at the lyrics was play. Uh, It was easy to learn the moves, and much for her, not for me, (laughs) uh, and much more fun than the mindless dancing um, which attended rock music which I like to listen to, but let's face it, dancing uh, to rock music, it's pretty boring pretty fast. Uh, I don't know if I thought it was the best disco song, but one of the most fun and exhilarating and inanely silly for me was Donna Summer's MacArthur Park. Still brings a smile to my face just thinking about it. <laughs> See, I didn't know Donna Summer's did MacArthur Park. I gotta listen to that. And that was uh, Diane Riley in Louisville, Kentucky. So glad we could bring back some good memories there for you. Yeah, thanks a lot, Diane. That's awesome. And we heard from a lot of people who are like, guys, you're saying that um, if I hate disco, it's because I'm homophobic. Don't be stupid. No, we didn't say that specifically. We said if you hate disco outright with a burning passion, but for no real reason, but you can't really tell why it's getting to you like this, maybe it's time to step back and examine it. We also said that there's plenty of room for people who just don't like disco, just don't like yeah. the music, and it doesn't mean you're hobophobic. So lighten up and listen more clearly. <laughs> um, if you want to get in touch with me and Chuck, you can tweet tweet to us. Tweet. Um, to SYSK Podcast. You can also join us on Facebook.com slash WSNOW. You can also read us the Riot Act via, fem- uh, via email uh, to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month.
In business, first impressions are everything. And that's why every business owner needs to know about Ruby. Ruby is the virtual receptionist company who screens, transfers, and takes messages 24-7, all while making your customers feel special. You definitely don't want to hire a subpar front desk person. And with Ruby, they engage with your callers in a conversational way, just like your best employee would. Never miss another customer call again. This year, make your business the best it can be. Visit ruby.com today or just call them at 844-900-RUBY.